This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Great show coming up today. Really excited to bring you a whole bunch of things today. Ben Johnson will hear thoughts from the Gophers men's basketball coach from Media Access on Tuesday as they prepare for Wednesday's Big Ten opener against Michigan State. Jamison Battle will hear from him as well. I sat down with Eric Curry from the men's basketball team as well to get his extended thoughts on coming back this season, playing for a team that, uh, frankly, has surprised a lot of people at 7-0. Great story, by the way, by Marcus Fuller on Eric Curry. Check that out in Wednesday's Star Tribune and on StarTribune.com for more on him. Um, So good stuff there. Chip Scoggins also on the show talking go for football, the shakeup at coordinator, things he didn't like from Sunday's Vikings game and what we might look forward to in Thursday's game. Just one more day until the Vikings get another crack at it against Pittsburgh in a very important game for the future. But first, what did I miss? Got to talk wild at the jump because I found one thing interesting here the other day. Uh, I was reading ESPN.com. They're doing a, a ranking of goalie confidence. So each each of the 32 NHL teams, the confidence level in their goaltending situations. And I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. This is what I do when I'm, you know, looking for the Minnesota team. I scroll, scroll, scroll. I'm like, ah, Minnesota should probably be, you know, maybe middle of the pack, a little bit higher in, in goalie confidence. It's kind of where I, where I see their goaltending situation. But I don't get to them until number 20, which is not... You know, not terrible, but it's it's below average. It's it's the second half of this list, and the the, the segment in ESPN.com reads, "Quote: History is repeating itself for the Wild for the second straight season. Minnesota is an incredible defensive team based on the analytics. Third in expected goals against per sixty minutes, but isn't seeing those same results in traditional stats. Twentieth in goals against per sixty minutes. In other words, Cam Talbot." 915 safe percentage has been okay. Capo Kakinen, 895 safe percentage has been below average. And the Wild are near the bottom third of the league in team save percentage. So, but that is a backdrop. It was kind of interesting. You know, I was kind of starting to think about what, you know, how good this Wild team seems to me. And, you know, when they get to the trade deadline, is that kind of a, a sneaky need, even though we look at this kind of one-two punch of Talbot and Kakinen as being solid, is that something they're going to need if they're, you know, if they fancy themselves a Stanley Cup title contender, which based on early evidence, I feel like they they are. So, you know, with that as a backdrop, I was, I was kind of curious to watch Tuesday's game against the Oilers, a team with a ton of skill um, and, you know, way up there in the Western standings as well. And so, of course, what happens? The Wild deliver a 4-1 to win. Cam Talbot has 38 saves. Felt like an important kind of win. Seventh straight for the Wild, of course. They're playing very well, on generally on both ends, but it's been more offense than it has been defense and goaltending lately. That felt like an important style of road win. Um, you know, to do it primarily with, with defense in this game. You know, four goals, certainly plenty of offense, but, you know, especially in that second period, they needed to shut down Edmonton, and they they did. You know, they got the two nothing lead, and then Edmonton got back to two one. And you know, Talbot had to make a bunch of of good saves in the second period and into the early third before the Wild extended that lead. So, you know, this Wild team has proven capable of winning a bunch of different ways. But I thought that one was important. 
Sarah McClellan shared those thoughts as well. She checked in after the game with a voicemail from Edmonton. The offense has been getting plenty of attention during the Wilds' recent tear, and rightfully so. The team has scored four or more goals in 14 of its last 17 games. But the defense has also been impressive lately, and the Wilds' play in its own end was hard to ignore in the 4-1 win over the Oilers on Tuesday in Edmonton that extended the Wilds' win streak to a season-high seven games. Goalie Cam Talbot was locked in, making 38 saves in its fifth straight victory. Nine of those stops came while the Wild was shorthanded, as Talbot was the team's best penalty killer in shutting down the NHL's best power play during five chances. But the players in front of Talbot also deserve kudos. The blue line has been missing Captain Jared Spurgeon for eight games due to injury, and the Wild has won all but one of those contests. Jordy Ben has stepped into the lineup and been a solid fit on the third pair, and John Merrill has responded well to an elevated role next to Alex Kuligovsky. The Wild could have nosedived after losing Spurgeon. Instead, the team has played its best hockey of the season. You know, a really good point from Sarah on the ability to overcome the injury to Jared Spurgeon. You know, I think the Wilds' health has been decent this year, but missing Spurgeon for those eight games, she's right, could have been a real you know, flashpoint in this season that turned it the other direction. Instead, they have kept on rolling. The defense has been quite good. Dean Evison was impressed with the defense and Cam Talbot as well. They're going to get shots, right? And to not give that second and third gritty ones to them, you know, they're going to get their skill shots. I mean, you know, obviously Dreisaitl and, and McDavid are, are absolutely special players. So they're going to get, they're going to get opportunities. Lots of other guys, they're going to get opportunities to, to shoot pucks but it's that second third one that you know not only did cam do a good job of smothering but um our d and and uh, the low forward we we got pucks the heck out of that area um so that they didn't have more opportunities like that so yeah we like the way the guys conduct themselves uh, defensively the hockey reference has the wild up to a 96 percent chance to make the playoffs a real division contender. They lead the division by a lot, better than 50% chance to win the division. They're a true cup contender, if we can say that right now. It's still early. If they keep playing like this, though, they are in the mix. They feel like they are one of, you know, they could be one of the five best teams in the league. That's how they're playing right now. And if I might revert back to that ESPN piece um, one more time, they had an overall take on the Wild. Yeah, this was former NHL goalie Stephen Valakat's take on the Wild. Quote, I love Minnesota as a team. I had an NHL coach tell me the best two teams in the West are Minnesota and Vegas. The Wild play the right way for modern hockey. Maybe my most favorite team to watch. Cam Talbot isn't rated poorly. They might not need a world beater in net anyway. So the Wild starting to garner some national attention. We'll see how they handle it. You know, we'll see how the Wolves fare on Wednesday night as well. They're down to a 63% chance to make the playoffs, according to basketball reference. I love to check in on these things. Vikings over at 538, a 28% chance to make the playoffs right now. So kind of the uh, the good, the okay, and the ugly as far as playoff chances go right now. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, really happy to be joined right now by Eric Curry, super senior, go for men's basketball. 
just a great story this year. Just kind of talk me through the seven and zero start at at the jump, and we'll get into a little bit of your own journey in a minute. But just seven and zero, what what's been working for this team? Uh, just just us banding together is um, we treating each other like family. Um, we just the camaraderie we came with each other, and um, just I guess just the I don't know how to explain it, but like everybody's down us. We just, it just it just brought us all together. You know, we want to prove prove everyone wrong I guess and I would say that that definitely started the 7-0 run and um, it's been fun I would say I will freely admit I was one of those doubters I'm, I apologize I I just didn't see this coming you guys have so many new players so many guys coming from all over the place you lost a lot of what your roster was last season are we at the point now where I shouldn't be surprised anymore when I see you guys performing well uh, yeah, I would say I would say you, you shouldn't be surprised, but uh, we gonna let the doubters keep doubting. I would say <laughs> we just gonna keep proving people wrong all year. I, I won't say, uh, but um, yeah, it's been fun and it's been amazing. Uh, the amazing feeling of me coming back to school and, and experiencing this. Yeah, I mean you. I mean there was a point in time where you probably weren't even gonna come back and do this, right? Like what what brought you back and what what's this been like to contribute like this? Uh, yeah, um, I, Coach Johnson called me in the spring and um, I definitely wanted to just help him out. Um, just wanted to be here for him for his first time being the head coach you know my best friend and Peyton Willis came back as well that that contributed as well and it's just being here for these guys I know these are a bunch of new guys like you said and uh, I know they ain't have experience of going through this this season and in, in the Big Ten and stuff like that so I just wanted to be here for them guys and play give it one last shot for the fans as well too so I knew I was getting fans this year so I wanted to play in front of them as well you've been on a lot of different teams here obviously part of a lot of different groups can you tell early on when a team has chemistry and when you don't yeah uh definitely um i would say this i knew this team had the, had the chemistry like like i stated before though we always been together off the court of uh, this this is one of the closest teams i've ever been on since i've been here because of the way we we, we treat each other off the floor we always going to other sporting events with each other um we're just doing little things like going to t-wolves games with each other stuff like that so um, definitely things like that is is, is helped and shown me from the jump that we were going to be a very close and tight-knit unit Basketball-wise, I mean, it's been a lot of close games this year. You guys have had a lot of games gone down to the stretch. Mississippi State, a perfect example of that. Peyton Willis hits the big shot at the end, but a lot of things contribute along the way. I mean, as you think about just the pure basketball aspect of things, what's what's the identity of this year's team as you see it so far? Uh, just a tough, tough grind mentality unit. Uh, we're just going to find a way to win every time. It doesn't matter how pretty it is or how ugly it is. We just want to win. And um, I would say we're going to do whatever it takes. This team has a lot of pieces that's going to do whatever it takes to get that win. And uh, I would say we're going to – that's our identity. A couple more things for you, Eric. Um, we talked a little bit before to uh, to Coach Ben Johnson just about, you know, not wanting – 7-0 to be the highlight of this season. He's talked to you guys. I think he had the Nick Saban rat poison stuff that he was talking about. Um, what, does that, what does that mean to you? What, how do you embrace that message? Um, it's a long season. Uh, I've been preaching these guys 7-0. Um, it, it's, it's cool and all, but uh, I've, I've been 7-0 a lot of times in this, in, since I've been here, and uh, it definitely can flip and turn in any second. So uh, we just got to stay level-headed and keep going, especially with the Big Ten play coming up. You never know. It's, every night is a tough battle, so just can't can't let that seven and zero define who we are right now. You're a natural at this. You seem to know that I was going to ask you about Michigan State <laughs> next because that's where we're going to end up. Uh, Michigan State, obviously, your Big Ten opener Wednesday night at Williams Arena. Obviously, uh, you know the last two opponents you played have been major conference opponents on the road. You've passed both those tests. Michigan State, a little bit different uh, level class. How do you 
How do you try to prepare these guys for what they're going to see? Because a lot of these guys haven't played an opponent quite like that, or at least not consistently. Oh, uh, just, just well, with these guys, like you said, they haven't been here on this level. So uh, just, just don't let them get caught up in the all. Of, of course, Michigan State is a good program and all, um, great head coach and whatnot. But uh, we are here too. Uh, we are, we're in the same conference as them, and we're gonna, we're gonna compete just like they're gonna compete, and just probably get them level, get them ready for the level of competitiveness and toughness of that program that they bring every night. So. Um, trying to get them locked in and keep their head on focus on being tough and what they're going to bring to us. Eric Curry, great stuff. Appreciate it. Good luck. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with Eric Curry. Just a, a good player, a great story. Again, check out Marcus Fuller's story on him in the Star Tribune on Wednesday and on StarTribune.com. You know, just a, a feel-good story, this whole team right now. And I was impressed, you know, talking to not just Curry, but... Uh, Ben Johnson and Jamison Battle in the uh, in the bigger media session before I talked to Curry one on one Tuesday. Um, so I wasn't intending on it, but I I ended up you know recording both uh, some stuff that both Jamison Battle and Ben Johnson said, and I want to play that back for you right now, just kind of talking about how this seven and zero start has come about. So here is Ben Johnson, the head coach of the Gophers, first, and an exchange he and I had. With you guys at seven and zero right now, I mean. A- caught some of us by surprise I admit it caught me by surprise are we at a point now where we shouldn't be surprised anymore is there enough body of work where when I turn on the TV or see come play I'm not surprised by these guys are good yeah I mean I I don't know I think that's for the fans to decide I mean for me um, you know I see these guys every day and um, I just tell them that, that the wins and losses in my opinion somewhat take care of themselves if you are consumed and obsessed with just the details of getting better every day like you know, we didn't beat Mississippi State uh, in the summer or, or in the fall. Um, but at the same time, we prepared to not lose in the summer and the fall by the little details of what we're about that led to, over time, all right, they're a pretty good defensive team. Or, you know what, they're trying to figure it out offensively. I thought last game was the first game in a while. Offensively, we were clicking a little bit. And it just, again, it's an it's a everyday process. And I know there's going to be highs and lows. It's not always going to be great. Um, but if we just consume ourselves with who we are and what we do, uh, I do think we have a chance to, you know, be competitive. And that's the expectation. I told these guys, like, you know, nobody came here to just have this be the highlight of the year. You know, uh, we came here because we want to see how far we can take it. But that only happens if you, you continue to be who you are and you don't, you know, get caught up in, in the other stuff. You know, we showed them, and it's nothing against you guys. I love you guys, but uh, we showed them the Nick Saban. I played the rat poison. And it, it was strictly because, not, not that the media's bad, but it's like, this is the first time, every time you win, you know how it is with social media, somebody's gonna start loving you up a little bit. And it's, it's a human nature. And I said, guys, I get the same thing. It's just human nature. And so it's the ability to, we talked about a couple weeks ago, like true competitors, you don't let human nature come into play. If you wanna be great, like you just, you, you like Kobe, you block it out somehow. Um, and so we talked about that. Like this is new for all these guys. And you're getting thrown with all these different things, and now you're at the highest level, and you're getting great media coverage, and you're just more ads and likes than you've ever had before. Are you going to change, or are you going to be who you are, and uh, are you going to let it go to your head? Are you going to get complacent, or are you going to still be hungry for more? And so the point is, hopefully, we want more. Like this can't be the highlight of the year um, that we've gotten to this point. Just a good, you know, thoughtful answer. That the the news conference was 
peppered with good, thoughtful answers throughout. And uh, here was Jamison Battle on kind of their 7-0 start and what they hope to build on from there starting Wednesday against Michigan State. A bunch of guys, and I think we've all hung out, we've all embodied that team aspect, and I think that's what really creates good teams. It's just creating that team aspect and having everyone together. No matter what happens, we're all going to stick together, and I think that's really what we have here. You know, we got guys who... From all different places, you know, the guys from low majors, mid majors, everywhere. You got EC, you got Peyton, who have been in this level, and they've they've helped us. And then we've all come together and realized, like, okay, like we could be really special if we we stay together and we do what we're supposed to do. So I think that's what we're trying to do. But we're not satisfied either. You know, we're taking it day by day, game by game, and we're just keep going. You know, if bad things happen, bad things happen, we move on. You know, we don't dwell in the past. You know, we're seven and zero, but we're not. We don't play like we're seven and zero. We don't think like we're seven and zero. You know, we're still trying to play to the best and then keep going and not being satisfied. Now, again, the competition gets better. You know, they've played two major conference teams on the road and won both of those games. Uh, that's nothing to nothing to sneeze at. Pitt and Mississippi State, particularly Mississippi State, you know, Ben Johnson said it Tuesday, that, that's a team that's like a Big Ten team. They've got a bunch of big bodies. They've got skill. That's the kind of team that the Gophers will start to see. But Michigan State, you know, program-wise – Tradition-wise, probably a step up in class from anything the Gophers have seen this season. They will certainly see a lot more teams like that, especially you know Michigan and the next one on the road. They're going to see a lot of very good teams. Now, we're going to find out where the Gophers stand in the pecking order, but for right now, at the very least, a very impressive start to the season and one that certainly has surprised me. It's time for Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune columnist here on Daily Delivery. Wanted to get his thoughts on a couple football things this week um let's lead off with go for football something that you write about with as much authority as you know maybe anybody in this market at least from a columnist perspective and you've been you know critical in 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 certain lenses of of the way the gopher offense ran this year wanting to see a change and changes here um it's a old guy meet the old guy same as the new guy kind of a scenario with Kirk Shiraka coming back to the Gophers but what give me your your take on why that sort of move was so necessary yeah when you watched this offense under Mike Sanford Jr. the last two years it just wasn't working it felt disjointed um and I know PJ is quick to say last year doesn't count it wasn't a real year and 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 to extent I think there's a little bit of validity to that because they had so many guys moving parts, coming in, opting out, guys that were sick, not available. So it was hard to get a read on it. But this year we, we got a read on his offense, and it um, they finished, what, 84th nationally in scoring. And no college football team, the only college football teams that threw fewer passes than them are the service academies, Army, Navy, Air Force, who don't throw the ball. And so you had a fourth-year starting quarterback and threw fewer passes than anybody um, in college football, but the service academy. So it just, it, it just was not working there. They didn't get as much out of this offense. Obviously Tanner Morgan regressed uh, considerably from 2019. And we can say, yes, he lost two wide receivers to the NFL, but it can't be just that, right? You look at the plays and that they ran the schemes and it just didn't fit with him. So I, I wasn't surprised they moved on from PJ moved on from Mike Sanford. Um, and then Kirk Shiraka obviously was there just being an analyst at West Virginia, didn't have a full-time or I guess it's full-time job. It wasn't a coordinator somewhere. Um, he, he uh, was fired after one year at Penn state. And so it makes sense to bring back him. Uh, 
you know, obviously the departure was not the way PJ wanted it. Um, but it was two years ago. I think PJ realized, Hey, Chirac is a good offense coordinator. They had success. Even if you're angry or mad or whatever, when it happened, you can get past that. Um, and so it's a good move. I think it's going to be a good move for, for Tanner Morgan. See if they can kind of rekindle some of the magic he had in 2019. Um, but there was just, this offense became so dependent on the run game and you have a terrific athletic tight end in Brevin Spann Ford that they largely ignored. He had 23 catches in 12 games. I mean, it just, it blows my mind. And you saw when they threw the ball to him, he made big plays. And so it just, um, it just felt like they didn't get anywhere near out of this offense. What was there in potential uh, when you consider the most experienced offensive line in college football and an experienced quarterback. And, uh, you know, I think Ottman Bell's a really good receiver. Um, now he was injured some, but um, they just neglected the passing game. And it, it uh, when you finish 84th in scoring with the veterans and experience they had on offense, it's just, it's not good enough. The four branches of the non-armed forces, (laughs) Army, (laughs) Navy, Air Force, and Minnesota. Um, It's two things to that. One, um, without knowing so much about Penn State's 2020 season, what happened with Shiraka there? Why was just one year for him there? Or should we be concerned about that? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, he got fired after a pandemic year, and they had I'm sure they had the same issues that every team had with guys coming in and out. I don't know. I didn't know their personnel. See how he opted out and, sure. and, and why it wasn't, if it wasn't a personality thing or what, or maybe it was James Franklin, just, you know, not liking what he saw. But I mean, uh, you look at the success that uh, Fleck had with Kirk Chirac in his offense. And I went back, Mike, that 2019, this did surprise me because this year um, the Gophers ran the ball uh, almost 70% of the time, 69% of the time. Um, in, in 2019, they ran the ball 61% of the time. I thought it would have been in the mid fifties, just considering the numbers that they put up with Tanner did. Um, but it, it's more about the, the, you know, the play calls that accentuate Tanner's strengths. And I just felt like it was, you know, when you would go finish a game with 25 straight runs or whatever they did. And if something went wrong this year, if it was a, you know, Tanner made a bad throw or they had a couple drops in a game. I remember it was early. They had, I think you had three drops in the first quarter where they would just abandon a run. And PJ would say, you know what, we can beat this team with just running the ball. And, and some of this is, I think PJ needs to reflect on his style too, in that you can't be, yes, there are teams that they can just run, run the ball down the throat and pound them and don't have to throw the ball. They can do that. But, you know, I, late in the year, I talked to three, former college quarterbacks, two that played in power five, one played in the NFL and just about the approach. And like, cause I didn't play the position, you know, I said, Hey, as a quarterback perspective, when you're only getting so few of throws, how it just seems to me, I had this theory. I was like, it, you have to nurture it, right? You can't just flip a light switch and say, Hey, all right, be an accurate quarterback. We know you haven't asked you to throw and you're only going to get X number of throws. And, and they, they all agree. They're like, that, that doesn't work because every throw is, stressful then you're thinking okay i'm not going to get that many throws um a lot of times it was third and eight and that's the hardest you know those situations are hardest to do so i just felt like they didn't nurture that passing game in the way that even in games where they could just run the ball 30 times in a row and win that's not always the best strategy and so you know it's never going to be 50 50 with with pj because that's we know his identity is power running and ball control and 
But if they can get it a little more imbalanced and and just find concepts that work for Tanner, quick hitting stuff, use the tight end, I think they're going to be better off. You know, along along those lines, I mean, how how much you know how, how much did it surprise you or did it not surprise you that we're going to see Tanner Morgan again for this team next season, that he came back for his sixth year? Yeah, I started hearing towards the last two or three weeks that uh, that was going to be probably the likely outcome. Um, we know he loves college football. We know he loves PJ's program and all that stands for and be a part of it, being a leader. Uh, and he, he wants to keep playing. And, I mean, he's not going to be an NFL quarterback coming off this year. You know, I mean, this was just not a good year personally. Um, he, obviously, the tragedy with his dad and losing his dad and just a lot of things went wrong. Finished on a high note. He, I thought he played well the last couple of weeks yes. uh, at Indiana and, and obviously against Wisconsin. He made some – even though he threw the ball 16 times there, but it felt like a different kind of 16. He threw the ball down the field, uh, threw for 199 yards. So they got what – I'm not good at math, but 16 uh, – you know, 11 completions. I think yeah. he's 11 to 16. So – they threw the ball down the field. Um, so it, it did not surprise me and it would not, and I don't know this, uh, haven't done any reporting, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if he sort of knew that there was going to be a change in, in coordinators too, and that there was a possibility that Shiraka was coming back. Um, but I think more than anything, he probably just, Hey, they gave you an extra year. He likes college football, probably wanted to write a different script. And then when he didn't go through senior day, festivities uh, yes. before now pj said don't read anything into that i read into it <laughs> when the guy of, of tedder's uh you know stature and what always meant to the program he doesn't go through senior day that basically tells you he's coming back yeah i haven't talked to you about the bowl stuff yet either um i guess when you saw everything play out it's not stunning that they go to guaranteed rate bowl by the way i've been to the i've been to that hall of fame the uh, the inside yeah. bowl hall of fame is in like a strip mall in tempe or phoenix or something like that it's not it's we just happened to be eating lunch there like 10 years ago during a road trip. it takes like five minutes to walk through it, yeah, it, it basically it's like a hallway it's a hallway yeah. basically but it's the inside bowl hall of fame that, that's that's what that bowl used to be a little bit of a kind of a little bit of a disappointment though based on you know you beat wisconsin you're like ah, maybe there's more to this season coming their way yeah and, and i know fans like I didn't think the Outback was a realistic possibility. No. Um, I didn't think Vegas. I, I thought Nashville would. And then you know I started talking to Randy Johnson, some people had, from our paper and uh, um, with the school, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, Nashville really was impressed by how many uh, Purdue fans came. I think it was 2018. It was 18 or 19. It's a driving distance for them, and they brought a ton. And so that uh, I think these bowl people, as much as anything. I don't think they put a whole lot of stock in head to head. They put a whole lot of stock in how many tickets they can sell. Oh, yeah. Right. And so we've learned that over the years. So, but, but even so I know there's a, you know, we joke about how, how often the Gophers been to the music city bowl over years. They haven't been there in quite a long time. I mean, over 15 years, right. The uh, 2004, 2006. And I think Glenn Mason bought a condo there, right? Yeah, exactly. I think, I believe it was 2002, four and six that they went. So they went a lot there in a short span, but they haven't been back in a while. And so I thought that might work in their favor because Purdue had been there more recently, but um, if they feel like, Hey, they can sell a lot of tickets. And I thought they would have sold a lot with, with uh, the Gophers too, but obviously Purdue fans can drive there. And so I think it's probably a bummer for the Gopher fans because if you check the airfare to Phoenix, 
uh, it is not inexpensive right now. It is, uh, it's a whopper uh, what the air pair is right now. So I, I, I have to think that's probably going to cut into the number of people that are willing to, to make that trip because it's, it's a big ticket right now. Yeah, that's uh that's a good point. That's one of the reasons I thought Vegas might be a destination because a lot of Minnesotans would probably want to go to Vegas. But then again, pretty much any fan base would every, want to go to yeah. Vegas. Yeah, every every fan base is, you know, and the Big Ten is really trying to take a take control of these bowl situations a lot and make sure that they don't have uh the same teams go to the same place, you know, every so often. And so um so there's some of that going in play too. Um but you're right. Any fan base, if they see Vegas, they're going to take that one. So, uh, but it's still, you know, if you're the Gophers, it's still Phoenix. I mean, you're playing, a, you know, a not great West Virginia team. So it's not ex- exactly a sexy matchup, so to speak. But um, I would think that they should win that one, you know. Um, but yeah, selfishly, I had my heart set on uh, Nashville for, for obvious reasons. But um, who knows? Maybe another year. Final thought for you. You wrote in football across Minnesota. Um, you led that with some good second guessing. I mean, it's, it's, it was even guessing in the moment on, on some of yeah. the things Mike Zimmer was doing on Sunday. Give me out of all, out of the five things that you wrote, you, you kind of were the head scratching moments. What was the most egregious to you that, you know, that really flipped the outcome of Sunday's game or, or at least influenced it the most? I thought the last drive, the way they defended that. Um, to not put pressure on Jared Goff, except out of the 12, because there's 14 play, but only he, he spiked it twice. Out of the 12 dropbacks, only one pressure, and they almost created a turnover off, off that one. To just rush three and, and play so soft off coverage, um, that I, I just couldn't understand it. And, and Zimmer said, you know, they weren't covering very well, so that's why he did it, but wouldn't you look at it on the flip side? If you're not covering well, bring some heat and, and, and uh, disrupt Jared Goff and not just as, you know, as bad as he looked in that game at times. If you're just going to rush three and let him sit back there, I mean, NFL quarterbacks are going to find guys if they're, if they're not feeling the heat. And so, yeah, there are five things that, that I just kind of were head scratchers, but that last drive to me, the way they defended it and um, particularly the final play, just the way Dancer was, 11 yards off to begin with and just kind of casually backpedaled into deep into the end zone. I, 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 for the life of me, I don't understand it. Even Xavier Woods met with reporters today on, on Tuesday and said, no, it was, we were aligned, right? We just uh, didn't execute it. I, I, I find that hard to believe. I just, that, that can't be the strategy, right? It just seemed, it seemed flawed from the beginning. It seemed too easy. It seemed very easy for, a you know do or die play from the eleven like isn't it? It's not from the two where you've got you know yeah. you can get something in there pretty quick. It takes a little time to get somebody down there, and you know to, to get that done. Final thought for you, Chip. Um, the quick turnaround. Obviously, they play Thursday. It's been a pretty you know for all the up and down they've been. They've been fairly resilient this year. I'm just wondering what's what's left in the tank after you lose a game like that, and is there a, a concern that this one could be the the evidence of you know, a team that just has kind of reached its wall. Yeah. It's interesting because they have been resilient, right? There, there are times where you're like, all right, this team's cooked and then they'll pop up yeah. and have a couple of good games, but there has to be a limit to that. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, at some point you, you just wonder if the accumulation of all these games and the high stress and the ones that they lose, if it doesn't take just a human toll on them and, and 
they have, you know, they're not able to bounce back. Um, and you add to that Thursday is always tough for teams to turn around physically um, already. And now you're going to face a really terrific pass rusher against an offensive line that's Zimmer said this week that he wouldn't say if they're going to keep the same alignment. Um, that That's another one that just completely baffled me that mm. you'd move three. You affect three positions on your line when you could have just put in a Richard Hill and affect one. So I, um, I don't know. It, it, this will be the biggest test, I think, for the resolve uh, Thursday night to see if they do have, you know, the kind of fight back that Zimmer always talks about after every game. This team fights. We hear it after every loss or every win, too. But he, he always talks about how much this team fights. Well, you come off the worst loss of the season. You did play well. Um, the way that it ended, we'll see in a short week. We'll, we'll see, you know, if they are able to, to bounce back emotionally and then also physically. Good stuff. I believe you will be there Thursday night. Is that correct? I will be there. Well, enjoy it. Good stuff on the <laughs> podcast today, and we'll, we'll catch up with you again soon, Chip. All righty, Mikey. We'll see you, man. Always love catching up with Chip. Nobody talks about the Gophers football team as well as Chip Scoggin, so I was interested to get his thoughts on the coordinator change, on Tanner Morgan coming back, on the bowl game, things like that, and also interested in his takes on the Vikings, which brings me to the cooler you know, we've talked a lot about even on Access Vikings, the new Access Vikings podcast came out Tuesday. Go give that a listen. We, we talked about the future, whether that loss against the Lions is one that is ultimately going to cost Mike Zimmer his job. Chip and I talked about that a little bit as well. Just a reminder that this team has been pretty resilient this year and that, you know, I referenced those 538 playoff standings before. If you check a couple boxes and give the Vikings wins against the Steelers and the Bears in their next two games, suddenly their playoff odds improve to a little bit better than 50%. So it is not out of the realm of possibility still that they make the playoffs. I am telling you, there is a chance. That'll do it for today. Should be good stuff coming up tomorrow. Melanie Schaffmaster from the Gopher women's volleyball team will join me ahead of their Sweet 16 regional matchup against Baylor in Madison, Wisconsin. Good chatting with her and a fun interview there. So hope you enjoy that. See you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday.